Did I send you the recording from last week? You did, yeah. But the episode's out. Oh, sweet. I was gonna say I did. I did listen to it. Yeah, which would mean I did send you that. Um, and my munching on food was somewhat obnoxious to my own ears, but uh, well, that's my fault, not yours. Yeah, I. You know, you gotta leave some of it in for like the dramatic. You know, make them feel like they're there. The <laughs> listeners appreciate it. The atmosphere. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, so you listen to it. So you know, I gave you homework at the end of the episode. It's okay if you didn't do it. Uh, that homework at the time, uh, our our good friend Taylor Swift had just released a new version of her album. Folklore, <laughs> oh right, right. Um, with like the studio sessions, so they were slightly different. And I was raving about this album. You know, it's new sound from Taylor Swift. It's great. And the time between recording that episode. And this episode, she just dropped a whole new fucking album out of nowhere. <laughs> um, so, what do we know? You're listening to Ketchup Cast, the podcast where, believe it or not, we do not discuss condiments. Have you listened to Evermore? I don't want to have this be Taylor Swift cast. I just... It, it... No, I'm, I'm totally okay with this being Taylor Swift cast. Actually, that was on my list to bring up too, um, which I think is hilarious. And yes, I, I have listened to it, and and because um, it came out the the day before I headed into the field. Oh or, or the, yeah. So it came out on a Tuesday. It came out on like Tuesday at midnight, like Wednesday yeah. morning essentially. And I had to go to work uh, Wednesday morning, or no Tuesday morning, whatever. It it came out. At an inconvenient time for me to listen to it, so um, I did not listen to it at all for like uh, four or five days until I came home. Or uh, and uh, yeah, that was came out on a Friday. Anyways, um, so I was kind of I was waiting for it, waiting to hear the anticipation, it, and came home and put on the whole album and just like listened to it all the way through, and it was great. And actually, I was just t- talking to one of my friends, and there is a secret reference. In one of the songs, this is, this is such a, a deep cut here for the folks that know, but there's a secret reference in one of the songs to that Taylor made unintentionally. She doesn't know that this is what it is, but there's, well, I guess we could call it a meme from the college that I went to that is in a song that Taylor Swift made that is like, I, I think it's in Champagne, yeah, it's in Champagne Problems, and it, uh, she says a phrase that is commonly said at the college that I went to. And when I heard that, like, my ears perked up. And I was like, wait, what? How? And then, like, yeah, okay, that makes sense in the song and in the lyrics and all of that. But, um, I don't know. And uh, just texting back and forth with some friends, just uh, thinking about the, like, wow, that that's really funny that that came up. But um, for those that know, take a look into the song. Tell me what you think. And for those that don't know, don't listen to the song. It'll ruin Isaac's anonymity. It doesn't. It, she doesn't say the name of the school, from what no, I remember. No, no, right? no, no. There, there's no way you would be able to just, tell the school from the. Yeah. Unless you've just you've got a really deep knowledge of all the inside jokes at different universities across the United States, you know, if that's your thing. Well, you threw him off the track right there because it's not even a university. So. See that? Um, well, that was anyways. what I was trying to do, and now you've just put them back on that track. Um. <laughs> no, I think it's great, I, and in some ways, I think it goes back to her her country roots and her folk yeah, roots. Yeah, it, it's a very there were a like, lot of it's a very moody albums. I liked it. I think, I mean, every album you know people say is her best one yet, but I think the combo of folklore and Evermore mm. just really hits it for me. Like that's just it's perfect. Yeah, you can definitely just put them on and like chill, 
I, I didn't listen to Folklords in its entirety the first time I listened to it. It wasn't like I sit down and listen. It was sort of a, as I had time, I listened to songs here and there. So mm. I was able to listen to this one. I ended up, this is like not that exciting of a story. I was reading in my room with my cat and I wanted to get up, but he climbed onto my lap and I couldn't get up and I didn't want to read. So I just put on the album and lay there for an hour listening to Evermore with my cat. And it was fun to listen to, you know, the whole the whole thing through. I think it's, like you said, it goes back to her country roots. There were some songs that really did sound like, not sound like, but sort of felt almost like a reference to the old Taylor. This is just Taylor Swift cast. We've been going for quite a while about Taylor Swift. No, this is perfect. Um, I think what song in particular is, is uh, I think No Body, No Crime sounds like a classic 90s women country. Bro, No Body, No Crime and a perfect, whoa, what? Sorry, Spotify just yelled at me. Um, I think No Body, No Crime is the one I'm thinking of. For the for the hearkening back to her country roots. Yeah, I, it also could be another song. I've, like I said, I've listened to it once. Um, I really liked Tis the Damn Season. That's probably my favorite one on the album. Mm, that's, that's a good one. And there's like five versions of Willow that are out. There's like a... There's like a moon witch version, and then like a dancing version, and then like a firelight version. I don't know. She released five remixes of that song. She's really into, with these two albums, releasing like the same stuff in like 40 different variations. I was looking up Taylor Swift on Spotify, and there's like 60 different folklore options. There's like the deluxe, the regular, there's the different chapters of folklore, there's the studio sessions, there's like just alternate, it's... it's... Well, I can just imagine during COVID that there's not a whole lot going on. Yeah. Like, if you're an artist, you're not touring, you're not like performing in big shows, and if you're writing, that's awesome, but then like, uh, the creativity that might go into like a stage show or go into a tour is now going into remixing the one song you've had stuck in your head for the past six months. And you can have every version you've ever thought of because it's, there's nothing yeah. else to do. You got the time to just mess around in the studio and make different versions where before you'd release the song and then go yeah. on tour with it. And it's also like thinking about recording, and I'm, I, this is probably how a lot of albums are done, and, and maybe it's not a COVID thing, but I think the idea of like each artist recording their part separately, like each instrument separate and each like – Bon Iver and Taylor Swift were not necessarily in the same room. They might have been. I haven't watched the Studio Sessions documentary on Disney+. Plus. I've just listened to the album. But just the idea of taking all these sounds and putting them together to create one sound fascinates me. Um, it occurs to me maybe, you know, I, I've made films and podcasts, and maybe that's the same thing, and it's not that interesting. But the thought of doing it with music really, I don't know, I found it really interesting. There is definitely something lost, I think, in that way of making it though there's something different about it all the instruments being in the same room and all the all the people reading each other in that <laughs> way but um, well it's like you know with any art you know I've, I've my background's in live theater in terms of art and and i've done some virtual theater during the pandemic that's fun you know mm-hmm. playing characters and goofing around with a cast but you're you're you know you're in these rectangular boxes separate from each other there's no audience to react i mean it's got hard to do music probably without having like fans there to to you know move and and sort of react and respond to what you're producing uh so yeah i think there is something lost but at the same time there's this you know it's covid it uh, yeah i don't know if you've heard it's a pandemic thing uh you know it, there's a, there's a, <laughs> have i heard about the pandemic yeah it's this crazy thing but there's 
you know, what's lost in the sort of camaraderie of collectively making music, there's this catharsis in just producing. And I don't know, they sort of balance each other out in my mind a little bit. Yeah, uh, yeah, it is really interesting to think about like what art has come out of this that maybe wouldn't have come out of it to begin with, you know? I saw a tweet that made me laugh, still on the Taylor Swift vein. Um, one of the big stories at the beginning of the pandemic was in the Shakespeare days, uh, there was some pandemic, and he wrote King Lear during that pandemic. Like That was his contribution. <laughs> um, and this tweet said, wow, so Shakespeare wrote one play during during a pandemic. Taylor Swift just put out two albums, so who's the real <laughs> you know, best artist of all time here? Uh, and I think there's food for thought there. Nice. That is hilarious. Uh, and yeah. and in, in other Shakespeare news, the second man in the UK to be vaccinated for COVID-19 was named William Shakespeare, which I think is also pretty cool. Wow. I, I mean, probably not related, but I can't imagine there's like a huge amount of Shakespeare clans out there. That's true. But if if your last name is Shakespeare... You gotta have a William. You gotta be... You gotta have right like, at you some just have point. To be but then, like, if if you got like three brothers, three Shakespeare brothers, right, and they all have kids, who gets the William name? Like, who gets the right to name to to produce the William Shakespeare? How do you? The firstborn, of course. I guess that's true. I don't know. <laughs> that's how they like to do things either. over I'm there not... on on that island. Everything by the firstborn. Indeed, actually, that the Spotify notification that freaked me out. I guess there's a new podcast that the royal family is making that's coming out maybe so we've got competition uh everybody's got a podcast nowadays everybody goes uh, i mean that's isn't that why we started ours because everyone had one and we wanted to as well no we made it so we could keep in touch with each other and have an excuse hold ourselves accountable to keeping up in each other's lives and you know i think we've done pretty well with that yeah i think so it would be interesting to see what an alternate reality where we didn't have this podcast how many times a week we'd talk to each other or how many consecutive weeks we talk to each other, you know? I mean, I do my thing and go fly off into the woods for weeks at a time occasionally, but um, other than that, I don't know. Isn't it funny, you talk about alternate timelines, the, the butterfly effect is something I think about all the time, which maybe I shouldn't, but, you know, it's COVID and there's not a whole lot to do besides think about deep things. But I think about, like, the the single decision or like the the person I spoke to at a random thing freshman year that has like pushed me down a completely different path than I ever would have taken if I'd hmm. you know done something else with my life or if I'd if I'd not done this one it's it like I wouldn't be where I was right now if I hadn't if I hadn't worked at camp which I wouldn't have done if I hadn't done theater at Denison I wouldn't have been at Denison at all if I hadn't wanted to do film i hadn't wanted to do film if i hadn't like gone to this this specific thing at the mall one like it's do you have anything like that to some extent i don't feel that as much anymore i like i don't think i feel the opposite way where because covid is such a big thing and politics right now are so crazy and arguably more impactful on our lives it's like those forces seem so uh, tidal, so like oceanic in their uh, in their impact that there's no real way to um, like change them or defend against them. Like the choices I make don't matter when there's a global ban- pandemic going on, and I just have to like bend to the whim of this 
weird virus that's floating around in the air, you know? Yeah, I get that as well. But to some extent, uh, that scares me less than some tiny thing impacting me a whole lot. I can blame any bad thing on the pandemic because it's a, like I can could. assume it's affecting my life so much. Just be like, well, I don't like this because it's I'm here because of the pandemic. And well, I wouldn't be here if I wasn't for the pandemic. But like, in reality, I'd find something else to complain about. Now it sounds like I'm defending coronavirus or something for taking all the taking all the bad stuff in the world. But um, you get what I mean. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So we're sort of at two opposite ends of the taking accountability for our problems spectrum. And that's not a good way of putting it. Maybe that's the wrong the wrong title for that spectrum. Yeah, I don't know. It's not it's not our problems. It's not really accountability either. I don't know. Just food for thought. How have you been? We we sort of launched just instantly into like unpacking things. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. Uh this week or yeah, this week was really good at work. I had a very successful time and um the weather was great and fun and um yeah so feeling pretty good about that uh it's cool to be here during christmas i just realized the other day that i uh it's been almost six months since i've i've moved out here um so that's pretty cool and kind of crazy to think about and i'm sure there was some like hot summer night that i was thinking like wow i really wish it would just snow and be december already and now it is so um kind of been grappling with that but i feel really settled um i don't know made my wednesday morning trip to the laundromat today which has been every other wednesday for the past six months which has been kind of fun um yeah chilling how are you doing uh i'm okay this week's been really tough uh it's just one of those weeks where like all the kids decided that they were just going to be really difficult every day for no particular reason, Um, Mm -hmm. which is fine. That's kids. But it's really frustrating sometimes where they're like blatantly not listening to me and and like making, making light of not listening to me. Like it's funny to them. It's like, no, just shut, shut up and do what I say because that's how this works. You don't get to (laughs) roll your eyes. They really like rolling their eyes. I don't remember rolling my eyes at adults as much as a kid, but maybe I did and I've like repressed it and I'm the perfect child now. Um, but yeah, what else is going on? We just we the um the local school district just went fully virtual. So today and tomorrow we've added like thirty extra kids to the program, which is wild. Um huh. but you know, roll with the punches. Uh, it's snowed here. It's been we've had a couple sort of light snow flurries, um, but we got I don't want to say hit by the nor'easter because we got like six inches of snow maybe. Um but you know it's it's, it's white and fluffy out. It's lovely. Um, it's pretty to look outside. The well, it's more snow, snow than I have. I don't snow. have any snow right now. I got a little bit. You're in Wisconsin, and I have more snow than you. Yeah. Well, the thing is, you get lake effect snow. Not here. I mean, not yeah. I guess, not from I Lake Ontario. It's the wrong. The wind moves yeah. the wrong way. You're south of it. But well, the northeaster really hit the northeast, not the north midwest. So. Um, as it na- as its name implies, uh, I think there was a little bit in southern Wisconsin, but yeah, that's that's one thing I kind of miss actually. Is it's cold? It's pretty wicked cold. I mean, there was some nights in the teens uh, and oh. hovering in just above single digits uh, this past week in the woods, but um, but yeah, not a whole lot of snow on the ground. We got like two inches up where I work, but 
here there's no snow on the ground to speak of which is kind of sad is it doesn't sad. really like feel it's deceiving you know it doesn't look cold because there's no snow on the ground but it is like 25 degrees i don't even know it's probably about that here too if i were to guess i'm checking now 21 degrees here with wow. snow in the, snow in the forecast oh just kidding it just updated it's 25 and cloudy so it's still cold Wind chill of 19. That's exciting. I, um, I've been taking my, my cat's litter out night, every night without a coat on. Because um, mm-hmm. that's... I sort of like the feeling of going outside for like 30 seconds just and feeling the cold on my skin. It, I don't know. It's, it's, it's invigorating in a way. Like I'm alive and I can feel it. Um, but it ha- like I said, it hasn't been snowy. So last night I took it out and I didn't want to wear socks because I've just been wearing flip-flops. Because it seems silly to put shoes on and tie them to go outside for... 40 seconds. Um, so I put my flip-flops on and went outside to take the, the cat's litter out to the dumpster last night and stupidly did not recognize the fact that snow is a little bit colder than just cold air. <laughs> um, so immediately I step into a snow drift outside because I haven't shoveled yet and I have to walk nice. all the way to the dumpster like with my feet in pain from the cold just going, fuck, 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 fuck. this was a mistake, this was a mistake and just hoping. And then I, I threw the bag at the dumpster and I missed so I had to like be outside longer because I faced my hubris and, and, and put the bag back. And then I, then I came in and my feet were snowy and, and it, I had to go up the stairs in my bare feet. And who knows what those carpets have had on them. And it's, but I survived. And that's the important thing. Yeah, nice job. <laughs> I, uh, I, I lied. It's going to be 20 degrees here tonight. So I think it's going to be colder than where you're at, which I'm, I'm proud of. That um, sounds about right. How are you yeah. closer? To, I'm probably closer to a lake than you are. Yep. Which means that your your weather is going to be a little more moderated. But anyways. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. No, it was a cold week in the woods. Uh, I had one of my water bottles completely freeze over. Mostly just because I didn't like take care of it or drink out of it for a while, so it just like froze solid. Um, which was interesting. The other one I had to like constantly poke a hole in the top to drink out of, so there was just like where the water bottle lid came off, it looked like just a sheet of ice, and then you took, like, a stick or a tent stake or something and then poke a hole in the... Like ice fishing. Know, centimeter or so of ice to... Ice fishing, yeah. A centimeter or so of ice to get in there. Um, and there was still a good, like... It's almost like a coconut, right? Like, there's the frozen husk yeah. and the the frozen meat of the coconut, but then there's liquid on the inside. Um Coconuts why and I, ice like, are often associated together. So. I know. Think about a nice tropical coconut while you're trying to break into your water. Um, what else? Batteries are freezing. Like, I carry a radio for work, and I carry a uh, sometimes a work oh, phone, yeah. like I've talked about, and GPSs and headlamp batteries and all these sorts of things, and, and those get really cold, so you have to, like, sleep with them at night, but then they shift around in your sleeping bag, and... Um, you like wake up and like feel all these electronics around you. So I like put them in a, all in a contained bag and then put that at the bottom of my, my sleeping bag. So every morning it's like waking up and then pulling that bag of electronics out and putting them in the respective pockets. Something funny happened where, um, so wear like a, a, a hip belt for work or a backpack for, or a, uh, a fanny pack for work. Yeah, that's what it is. I wear a fanny pack for work that has my water and my, my big mittens and the radio sometimes and all, all this other junk that I got to keep on me at all times. And, um, and so that cinches the, the bottom of the, the coat. 
So the you know that goes over all the layers. So the coat is now sealed, which is great because it makes a big pocket. You unzip your coat at the top and you put things in it, and they're not going to fall out the bottom. And that's true for the rest of your layers too. So I've got these liner gloves, these thin gloves I wear on my hands to touch things that are metal or cold or stuff. They're not going to keep my hands super warm, but they're going to protect them from getting contact cold or contact frostbite. So I wear those, but then they got wet because I was pulling out water from this frozen pond or whatever. And to dry them off, I wanted to put them in my coat, in my layers, you know, touching skin or at least as close as I could, and then my, my body furnace will heat them up. And apparently on, like, Thursday or Friday, I'd put them in there, like, deep in my layers, touching my skin, and, you know, had the fanny pack on, so they're not going to fall out the bottom of my layers, uh, and then forgot about them for two days. <laughs> and I, lo- I, I lost the gloves. I was like, these gloves are gone. I, I don't know where I put them. I must have set them down in the snow or wherever. Um... And then one night I was kind of like changing my layers and, and I always tuck my shirts in to my waistband. So those are sealed off there and they're sealed off with the, the fanny pack above it. Um, I was changing my layers and got all the way down to, to my base layer, to the layer against my skin and took that off. And underneath that base layer were these two liner gloves. I was like, what? This is where they were hiding for two days? <laughs> it's so Probably funny. nice nice and, and dry and warm though, I bet. They were nice, dry and warm for sure. But I wish I had them two days sooner. Yeah, probably would have. Um, and it's funny that it took me it took me getting half naked to find them um, when I thought they were in a snow pile somewhere. Sometimes life um, just is like that. <laughs> There's a really good metaphor yeah. in there somewhere. I'm sure. I don't. I can't. I can't find it right now. But it's great. I can't find it much like your gloves. Um, so you're out. You're out for like a week at a time camping in the snow. Yep. I guess that's not that's not new to you. You've done a lot more cold weather camping than I have. I don't know that I've done any now that i think about it well what do you consider cold weather is the question on that one i mean anything post like post fall weather i guess i've i've camped in like 40 degrees but that was in july so i don't know that that really counts it was you know july in the adirondacks i like snow i guess i mean snow i guess i do mean snow you know freezing and below yeah but like to me i don't know first off i'd take snow over rain Anything. Oh, absolutely! I would too. Rain, camping, and second off, I take yeah, for sure. I take really cold over kind of cold where the snow is going to melt because on that your body the same, and on yeah. all of your things, and it's going to melt during half the day and then freeze during the other half of the day. I'd rather it be like cold enough that the snow is never going to melt. It's like like I had this week. It was like twenties during the day and teens at night it was like actually pretty good because the snow is not going to melt on you. Yeah, it's hard to keep your liquid, your water's liquid, and you have to be more careful about exposed skin and stuff especially in the wind but um once you get your layers down and you wear the clothing you need to wear and you acclimatize a little bit um i find that easier than having to dry wet things out constantly yeah that's a good point but still i i don't like being cold so the thought of like and layers you know they keep you warm you're probably perfectly toasty but something about the thought of like climbing into a tent out of the snow really just sends shivers down my spine it's haunting oh it's so cozy though because you like oh you just know it's ah oh, it feels so good and and a thing that i've done before winter camping and i do at work all the time is um 
get hotties going, hot water bottles filled with, like, you, you get the stoves going at night after dinner and pour some hot water in them, and then, you know, you sleep with that hot water bottle, and, so and nice. um, mm, feels so good. If you're a rule breaker, you might put, like, hot chocolate or hot cider or, like, miso Ooh. soup or something in there. Risky. But risky, because you don't want to spill that stuff all over your, be sticky. your sleeping bag. But, um... If you're a rule breaker, you can do that. If if you want to be careful, you don't put any food in your in your tent at night like that. Are you careful, or are you a badass? What, or, or do you not want to say? <laughs> I uh, I've recently gotten into miso soup as a hot drink. Um, it was something that was passed on to me. Uh, actually, I did on on my Southwest semester in Arizona, and. Um, had it a couple times, but it wasn't really necessary because we were in the desert, and it was, like, fine for cold, um, at least most nights, except the couple times it snowed. But anyways, uh, and now I'm just trying to be more creative with the hot drinks that I drink throughout the day, and hot chocolate is, like, good, but I don't know. Sometimes I don't want all that sugar, and I don't want, like, chocolatey flavor at dinner or halfway through the day. I don't know. So miso soup... Um, it's salty and it's savory. It's like that perfect umami flavor that um, goes really good hot. It took us 35 episodes, folks, but we finally said the word umami on our podcast, which, based on <laughs> podcasts I listen to, is a requirement. So here we are. <laughs> I'm glad you enjoy your soup. At the... Yeah, so a pro tip to all those winter campers out there, miso soup instant packets you can find in the, in the grocery store. Make a really good hot bevy. This is a maybe a weird question, and and it's not going to be interesting podcasting. But I'm just curious, where do you do your grocery shopping? Is like is it a local store? Do you go to like a Kroger or something? Um, I go to a local store. It's called a Pick and Save. I think, I think they're Kroger though. I think they're owned by Kroger because a lot of their like, uh, their store brand stuff says Kroger on it. Can't go wrong, with Kroger. It's a good store. Yeah, works out. They have pretty much everything I need. It's not a huge grocery store, and it's not as like nice as Wegmans or Trader Joe's or um, trying to think of the other one, Whole Foods. But you know, it does the trick. I live near a Wegmans, um, but I don't shop there, which I know is sacrilege. Ah. Wegmans is so expensive, and I can That's true. I can walk. It's a fifteen twenty minute walk to an Aldi, and Aldi's way cheaper. And and the foods. But you get what you pay for, though. No, I think Aldi food's fantastic. Their mac and cheese isn't great. Uh, not that that's you know necessarily an important thing. I don't buy it anyway. Um, it's... The other thing too is that I want to try to eat as well as I can during my off shift. So I I you know price up a little bit on the food. I get some good. That's food, true. Some good fresh food. Um. I don't. Uh, I eat well at work, and I get fed at work, which is a nice perk. But well, that's, I don't. Got, you sort of got. You don't. You're not paying for every week of food. You're paying yeah. for your off weeks. And instead of having like medium or low level food, cheap cheap food essentially all the time, I have really cheap food. Half, you know, half the time and at then work, and then you go gourmet for for a week. And... I go gourmet for the week, so it balances out. I'm Absolutely, sure. that's the plan. Yeah, I got to work on. I've, my, I've been so bad at grocery shopping because I don't, I'm not planning for a week. I'm sort of just, when I run out of stuff, I go buy it. So I'll go to Aldi and just wander around, and if stuff looks interesting or if I'm hungry for it, I'll pick it off the shelf. 
I'm really bad about like making a list of what I need and even planning meals. I usually don't decide what I'm going to have for dinner until I get home. Um, but my goal for 2021 is to be better at that. So like actually meal plan, meal prep. And, and right now what I call meal prep is when I preset the coffee maker the, the night before. <laughs> Um, I, pre- I feel pretty is, good about that. That is the pro move. That's, you know it's going to be a good day when you when you start when you preset the coffee maker the night before. Got to wake up. It's not, mine's not an automatic one, which is genuinely tragic because the automatic ones where you just wake up and the coffee's ready—that's the dream. But all I got to do is walk up, fl- flip a switch, and then it makes itself. You know, I can go to the bathroom by the time I'm done. Coffee's ready. It's beautiful. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, sometimes I pre-make the coffee. Sometimes I don't. But. It's always a better day when it's pre-made. I don't on the but, weekends. Uh, it's not worth it on the weekends, but I my my work hours have shifted basically so I can get picked up instead of walking through the snow all winter. Um, but mm. b- because my work hours have shifted, I have less time in the morning. I could wake up earlier. I don't want to wake up earlier. Um, so I mm-hmm. I've saved myself three minutes by pre-setting coffee. But that's three minutes I didn't have to do. Yeah, I don't have my I don't have my time scheduled down to three minutes and. Actually, going off the food planning thing, I find that I'm doing less food planning. Like, I I feel like I got really good at food planning when I was working expeditions and when I was living at school doing expeditions and stuff where, I don't know, it was A, part of my grade to food plan, and then also part of my job to really hammer home the food and make sure that it was all very taken care of. And every meal was very specific. Um, and I do that at work, too, but... Um, that's a whole nother discussion. The, but I don't know. I kind of do your method, but I realize that whatever I eat needs to be done by the end of the week. So there's no, like, I try to get things that could go good in anything like a bunch of veggies, some onions, some peppers, some carrots and some potatoes, endless possibilities there. So just use a little bit of each, you know, throughout the week, and then by the end of the week they're all gone, and it's like great. Um, I'm not thinking this pepper is for this meal, which sometimes I do. And then I also like having a lot of non-perishable stuff, because when I come home on Tuesday, or even Wednesday, like if I come home late on Tuesday or I come, you know, on Wednesday, I don't get out to food shopping. It's just nice to open a can of soup and just have dinner. Right, have something easy. Some bread from the freezer, a can of soup, and you're, you know, halfway there. So, um, that works out. I'm trying to think what I've gotten into recently. What did I make recently? This is not that exciting of a recipe that I made the other day. Um, Better than a, just a quesadilla with cheese? Yeah, well, this is this is about as exciting, but I made it myself, which is, which is why I'm excited <laughs> about it. I really wanted garlic bread, um... And pizza. Those were the two things I was just, like, craving one night. I think it had been a shitty day at work or something. I don't know. Um, and I didn't have any pepperoni for pizza, really anything to put on pizza. My fridge was pretty sparse. Um, I had cheese, and I didn't have any pizza sauce. I don't really like pizza sauce anyway, so that's fine. Um, but I had the idea. Instead of making both separately, I made this garlic, olive oil, and Parmesan cheese, like, mixture which again is not that exciting but for me who doesn't cook that much like outside of like following a prescribed recipe that was pretty exciting and just i I drizzled it on a naan um i put some cheese down and then i drizzled a little bit more on top of the cheese and it maybe is the best tasting thing i've ever cooked like it was because it was so simple (laughs) 
it was so simple, and I was like, this isn't this is gonna taste like nothing. It's gonna taste it's gonna taste a little bit garlicky, but it, it just I don't know. It just was really really. I was so proud of it. And again, it's like not exciting. It's it's so basic, but for someone like me who who is really good at mac and cheese and you know a grilled cheese kind of like that's sort of the extent of my cooking mastered skills. You know that that was pretty cool. There you go. So you can go ahead and, and show me up if you wanna you wanna tell me about your recent meals. Um. I'm having trouble making too much food, which is weird because I know my body needs it and I know I need to like recover a lot and it's getting into winter and I need to um, honestly put on a few more insulation layers on my body and maybe like a bear. not wear as many uh, insulating layers and clothing, but uh, we'll see. Um, anyways, uh, I tend to make too much food. Um, tonight I made some angel hair pasta with a... I don't know, one of the canned sauces, Grandpa's Italian sauce or whatever, um, with some uh, kielbasa or like some some of that. Um, yeah, it's kielbasa, the sausage. Anyways, this kielbasa you find in the the, uh, the the meat section of the grocery store, and it's in this like horseshoe shaped freezer sealed package. Although it is fully cooked. So it means that it's really good for backpacking trips because it's fully cooked, so it's not going to go bad. Right, so you don't um, have to worry about yeah. It's, I mean, it's better if it's kept cold, but sure. you know, it's going to last for a week. It's not going to. You're not going to get sick from it. Yeah. 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 So, I remember, I I saw this at the grocery store for the longest time after the 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 trip I did in California. For those that have been listening for a while. For the real fans. Yeah, and. We had it so much on that trip. Pretty much every week we were eating something that was made with that kielbasa. I never wanted to touch it again. Like, just, oh. And you can find it in pretty much every grocery store. So, and I thought I had gotten over my my bad feelings and memories towards it. And maybe I was, like, looking to feel those memories again. So I bought it this time and and fried it up for, for dinner tonight. Um... And it, it totally tasted like that trip. It was just weird to to be put back there and like, whoa, this, yes, I have tasted this before. It's been a long time, but I have. And that was kind of a weird experience tonight of uh, tasting that kielbasa again and realizing like, hmm, I probably need some more time. I don't think I should 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 have this for a lot longer still. <laughs> it's like that scene in in Ratatouille where he eats the ratatouille and his flashback to his childhood and it like changes him everything. But in in your instance, you take a bite of that kielbasa, you're transported back to the trip, and it just sort of makes you a little a little more bitter about it. I don't feel bitter about it. I and it's really I mean it's good kielbasa and everybody on the trip made some pretty You're just okay sick of food. it. You've had so much of it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It, including myself, like I, I'm to blame as well in the the kielbasa um, overuse on that trip. But um, it's just a, such such a handy pre-cooked protein that you know they have like a garlic one and a pepper one and a spicy one and I don't know it. But anyways, that was kind of a trip to the past in, in tonight's meal. That's fun. That. I mean, even if it wasn't, even if it revealed you were, you know, you'd need a little more time to appreciate what you had, um, <laughs> you know, a little more distance. That's okay. You know, the nostalgic food is always great. I feel like baked goods are more that for me, just like foods that really evoke a, a feeling of the past. 
like the the christmas mm. cookies you know i would oh, make at my grandparents or or what's your favorite christmas cookie uh favorite favorite christmas cookie is different from favorite regular cookie i think i think they're two separate for sure questions. for sure I think a cut a frosted cutout is probably my favorite Christmas cookie because that's the one I ate the most as a kid. We would go to my grandparents' house and we would they buy white frosting and we could choose the colors like food coloring and that was always sort of fun mm. to decide what we wanted and we'd spend hours you know listening to Christmas tunes and frosting cookies and I was my sister was better at frosting than I was she would be very artful and sort of trace the cookie and I would just <laughs> sort of glob it on there and put some sprinkles on and that was that was my <laughs> masterpiece and and that was enough for me. Um, so yeah, I'd say that. What about you? That's absolutely my favorite too, for sure. The regular sugar cookies with some just regular frosting that has food coloring in it and some sprinkles and, um, yeah. Do you ever, okay, so you got the Christmas cookie, right? And, and you got the cookie cutter shapes, you know, there's the Christmas tree or the star, at least that's what they were in my family. The bell. (laughs) We had the bell. Yep. Which I don't know why a bell is a, is a Christmas idea, but there's so many songs about bells. That's it. Oh, yeah, silver bells. Um, anyways, and you get two different colors on the cookie, right? You get like a blue – or no, sorry, a green and a red. Makes sense. You put the green and the red next to each other, and then you take a toothpick, and you swirl them together. What? You know that technique? Yeah, oh, my it God. Is executed properly. It can be very That's effective a game changer. Christmas cookie decorating contests. I, I wish I'd known that 10 years ago. That would have changed everything. There you go. Or – which I saw somebody do online. I've never done it myself. You can take like a little um, like dropper, like a little food dropper, and pick up some some frosting and then be able to put it, make an island of one color of frosting in another color of frosting without like, Feels like having a lot of to work. do that awkward pinning around it. Right, and sort of, but yeah. I don't know. I appreciate yeah. that kind of art. You know, the, the swirling I'm all about. Getting an eyedropper out like it's Christmas. These are these are gonna be eaten <laughs> as long as they look nice. Like this is this isn't an art show. These are gonna be consumed. It's kind of like latte art in that way. Right, exactly. It's like, do I really need this? This is great. I'm, I'm putting a lid on this it. Cup of coffee. <laughs> like this is really nice. I'm gonna look at it as I carry it over to the sleeves, and then I'll never see it again. Yeah. It'll be in my stomach. Yeah. No, Christmas cookies are pretty good. There's always those few Christmas cookies at like grandma's house that you like don't know what they are and you only see them once a year and you forget what they taste like. And then you go to taste them and you remember like, oh, right, these are the ones with these are the, the licorice like, the anise the anise flavored or yeah. like, yeah, licorice flavored or they're like the super pepperminty toothpaste flavored ones. Like, you know, you always got that gamble at the at the holiday table of of what uh what random cookie you're you're gonna tempt yourself with? I have an addition to that, but I just need, I need this on the record. I hear a duck outside. It's tw- a duck? twenty degrees out in an apartment complex, and I hear a fucking duck. I don't know Do you why. Do want to buy this... a duck? A what? Do you want to buy a duck? I know I, the response is a what? No, 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 the response is you. You say we've learned it differently. Oh, we, I guess we have. We come from two different universes of camps out there. But in my in my camp, you ask, "Do you want to buy a duck?" And then you say, "Sure." Does it quack? And then, oh, see. And then I say, "It goes back to me," and I say, "Yes, it quacks." And then you find somebody to ask to buy you, a duck. You, so you, you skip. Ask you your cat. You skip right to the end. Duck? And your cat asks, "Does it have feathers?" And then, if my cat asks me that. <laughs> I'm gonna have bigger concerns about than whether or not it wants to buy this this 
foul bird. Why is there a duck outside your window? I don't know. We were talking, you were having a lovely chat about Christmas quakes and a duck just quacked. I don't know. Maybe it'll show up on the recording. I don't, I genuinely don't know. Um, maybe it's going to try to sell you some life insurance. Or maybe it's trying to buy some, some grapes. I don't know. Um, we, my grandparents, swinging hard back into the Christmas cookie. Um, <laughs> at my grandparents' table, there was, it was like a big tray and just like different sections for each cookie. We had the snickerdoodles, which I've never considered a Christmas cookie, but I've seen some posts on the internet saying that they are. I disagree. I think they're just a, a regular fun times cookie. Um, you know, you had the sugar cookies mixed in with the sugar cookies were some sugar cookies with anise. So it was sort of like a, a Russian roulette kind of deal. Like, were you going to get a tasty one? I actually don't mind anise. I, I don't love it with frosting. Um, but you never knew. Then we had fudge and we had these like, there's, what are they called? They're like a Swedish cookie of some kind. They're sort of vaguely minty maybe, but there's no mint in them. I don't remember. It's been, you know, at least a year since I've had them. Um, then there were, we would make, um, and you've probably had some of these at, in, at my house or, or at school lunches over the years, but like little, it's a, one of those like window pretzels with a white chocolate disc and then an M&M yep. pressed in. Totally. Um, totally. My family didn't invent them, but I've, my family is the only family I know that makes them. Uh, my mom also does one with a Rolo and a pecan. Uh, I can't mm. have, I can't have those, but I assume they're good. Um, <laughs> it's weird not being home for the holidays, huh? Yeah, it is gonna be weird. I'm gonna be in the woods for it. That, really? It's gonna be my my first your first Christmas in the woods. Yeah. So you're actually I wasn't sure if you'd if you'd go out for the holidays or if you'd have that week off. So you're you're going out and celebrate the birth of of our Lord and Savior, uh, out there in the woods, just like just like they did back then. They didn't. They were in a desert. Anyway, I mean, I've spent my, I've spent like Christmas in the woods and I've spent um, my birthday in the woods, but, um, or I meant to say Easter, not Christmas. They're, they're associated with each other. They're one's the, the, the birth, the, one's the, the death. They're the opposite of each other, I would say. <laughs> well, yeah, but they're from the same religion. <laughs> yeah, it's not yeah. like. <laughs> it's not like you're like Valentine's Day and Christmas, you know. Um, <laughs> uh, so Christmas will be a new one, um. That that's that that's why I did a shorter shift this week is that the other half of the crew does Thanksgiving and I do Christmas so we have to gotcha. but they fall on like even weeks so we have to do a short shift to switch it around so that I'll be in the woods for Christmas so um, I'm looking forward to that I think that'll be cool um, yeah I'm trying to think I bought an ugly sweater today at the thrift store to wear out there um, so I'm pretty did you, stoked did you hear that did you hear the duck I did not hear a duck Fuck. okay sorry tell me about this ugly sweater. No, it just says this is my ugly sweater with like some, some wreath around Self-explanatory. it. Self-explanatory. It's pretty low-fi, but I think it's gonna do the trick. It's uh, it's ugly sweater day tomorrow at work, so I'm pretty excited to, <laughs> to break that out. I've got one. It's um, it's got BB-8 on it from the the Star Wars sequels, and he's like he's like an ornament. And then there's like Star Destroyers or something. I don't know. It's dumb looking, but it's, it's fun. Oh, you're gonna go get it. Should I go get mine? Should we? No, 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 no. Uh, I was just. Moving the curtains. Oh, I, That's all. To hide the duck that you've got outside your window. <laughs> what if I'm secretly piping the duck music into your headphones? I'd be so mad. Because I, <laughs> I swear to God, there's a duck outside. And it's just sitting in the half-frozen creek quacking. And I don't know why it's doing that. Actually, it, what no, it sounds it like... It, no, it's, it's quacking. It's definitely quacking. 
I feel like Goose can quack. No, geese just scream and, and honk. <laughs> I feel like a honk. They scream like a primal human scream. It's horrifying. You're just on a lovely walk and you, you just hear, hear this horrifying, like, blood-curdling scream and you rush to help and it's just a fucking goose, like, walking <laughs> along. <laughs> or, like, you know when goose are, like, territorial and they, like move their neck at you and and like waddle oh. towards you yeah it'd be so much more terrifying if they just <laughs> can you imagine were screaming Holy shit. that would be the i would never go outside or like when you're when they fly overhead to migrate instead of honking there's just like 50 geese flying overhead <laughs> screaming uh that would be terrible um there is a screech owl up here that does sound like a crying child Oh, that's horrifying. Uh, which terrifies me. Yeah, it's in the Adirondacks too. I've heard it there. It's more rare up there though. But um, is it a is it a screech owl? I don't know. It's one of the owls that makes this really creaky noise, and I hear it sometimes at work, and um, not fun. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's um, animals can make some weird noises. Foxes can also scream. Foxes yeah, will I've scream. Yeah, I've heard foxes. I hate that. That will sound like humans. Yeah. Have you heard ravens? I mean, I'm sure you've heard ravens before. Our camp, my camp was infested with ravens. It's it's all We always get a ton of ravens, but this year, because there were no people around, they just decided hmm. they were going to hang out. Um, and the sound that a raven makes, they have two. There's one that sounds sort of like a, a, a crow cawing. Another one that sounds like a, a 16 to 23-year-old male just, like, yelling really loud. Um, and they'll do it. All day, starting at about sunrise. So if you've just had, you know, if you've had a night off and you've got the morning off, you're you're gonna have your you're gonna sleep in. It's gonna be great, and and you know you're you're asleep, you're having a nice day, and then right outside your window, someone just yells so loud and just yells continually. That's what ravens do, and they're the worst. Ravens are are one of the birds that really gets habituated to humans. They're actually really smart, and they will know. I've had ravens uh, get into my friend's backpacks before and steal food. Not like open the backpack. Like the backpack was open with the food bag on top of it, but they know and they'll like fly in and get it when, when humans aren't looking. Um, and it's kind of hard to uh, protect against that because they can fly, right? So you can hang your food up in a tree, but the raven can just fly up to it. Um, so once ravens are habituated, they just, they take all of our food and there's, not a whole lot we can do about it um except like sleep with it or like keep it on us but then there's like yeah problems with that if you're in bear country or or there's other predatory animals out there but um ravens are smart and and you don't always think of those critters getting your food but they certainly can you can use their smartness against them though we we didn't solve but we sort of postponed our raven problem uh because there was a raven that was like on camp property and like injured its wing was was pretty broken and it was sort of running around and and was not going to make it um so we had to kill it i didn't kill it i didn't walk up and kill the the raven our ranger shot it um but what he did is he laid the the carcass out in front of the dumpster where they would go and and steal food basically because we've got an electric fence to protect against bears but the the sky is there's no roof or anything so they can fly right in 
but he put this right. carcass there, and they knew. I mean, they're smart enough to know what a dead raven looks like, and they stayed away for like a month and a half. Um, and then they came back and hmm. yelled. And yeah, see, mice will just crawl over their dead to get to food. Yeah. Oh, I know all about dead mice. I haven't. I haven't mentioned my war on mice. I've mentioned I had mice, but I didn't tell you the process of the war on mice that culminated in me getting a weapon of, of mass destruction that is Pippin. We talk about. We've talked about mice like for the past three podcasts. Yeah, we have. But Isaac, the things I've seen and done. I've done some horrible things. I've seen some horrifying things. I almost has your has hit. your mousetrap caught any yet? Uh, by mousetrap you mean my cat? Yes. Uh, unclear. He they stayed when I got him. <laughs> they stayed away for a while. Uh, well, he hide. He's literally he hides all day until I go to sleep, and then he comes up and and snuggles me. So I don't know what he does all day. Um, it's not eating. He doesn't eat unless I'm home, which is kind of nice and also mm. worrying, but it's fine. But he he's he runs around. He's been running around the room at night, and I don't know if that's just he, him getting the crazy cat times or if he's, like, chasing mice. Um, but they did stay away for a while right after I got him, uh, which I think it's probably they could smell him because uh, he was in the kitchen the first night I had him. He hasn't been in the kitchen since, but they were mainly a problem in the kitchen. Uh, the first... I might just launch into the war on my saga and tell you about the horrible atrocities that were committed and seen. Um, if that's all right, if, you, if I can just un- unpack my mouse trauma. Go for it, man. I uh, The day after we recorded the episode where I first heard a mouse in, in my apartment, I went out to Target and bought some traps. And I bought regular trap, like snap traps. And I bought what is perhaps the cruelest thing on a human has invented. And I completely, I'm against them, but I wasn't at the time, or I wasn't thinking at the time. I bought some glue traps thinking oh this is great i don't have to buy bait i'll just set these traps and they'll catch the mice and it was all fun and good until i caught a mouse and he was like dragging himself across the floor stuck to this glue trap and he looked up at me and like clearly he wasn't going to get off i didn't have the necessary stuff to get him off um and i didn't have it in me to like kill him which would have been the kind thing to do and this is this is me a human admitting my human weakness uh and and admitting i did a horrible thing which is brave i'm basically a war hero by admitting that um but i like no no what i did was horrendous and 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 cruel and awful and unforgivable um and i like went through this whole trauma like what have i done i've doomed this creature and there's nothing i can do about it except murder it but i can't so i i swept it up and i threw it in the woods um which was the coward's way out and i openly accept that and then i came back i like like sobbed and like i came back into my apartment and i caught another one after I'd like gone through this whole trauma, and so I did that again, and then I mean to clean up all the glue traps, took the trash out, like was not having it. Um, I thought, okay, I caught two. There's probably more. Um, so the next step was I bought a new trash can, one with a lid that I couldn't get into, uh, and it didn't fit under my sink where the old one was, so I just put the old one back in there. But there was no trash bag in the old one, so this is where the horrible things that I've seen happened. Um, it must have still smelled like food, the old trash can. Because a mouse got in it. It climbed in, but it couldn't get out. So I realized I had the perfect trap here, where they would just come into the, the trap and I could let them out. You know, I could take a walk and just let them out somewhere and, and they wouldn't bother me. And I did this, I think I caught four that night, which was horrifying. Um, and the next morning, I woke up and I was like, oh, I'll check my trash can traps. And I opened the, the door to the cupboard under the sink, and I pulled the trash can out, and there were six mice inside it. Oh my god. Huddled in a corner, like, crawling on top of each other. And it, it is, 
it was so disgusting that the trash can was filled with mouse shit and, and pee and like it, it was horrifying and I was gonna let them out but I was gonna be late for work so I went to work and all day I was like how many mice am I gonna come back to like there's six I'm gonna come back to like 18 mice and I'm gonna have to burn this apartment down <laughs> um, and, and like genuinely I was walking home and each step closer to my apartment like my, my stomach got like tighter and tighter and tighter and I walked in walked over to the sink and there were still six mice in there which made me think there are only six mice in my apartment and this is where I had my worst thought of all the worst thought I've ever had if all six of these mice die I will not have a mouse problem and then I realized, oh fuck, that's genocide, and I can't do that. It's a horrible thing. So I let them out, and, and dude, <laughs> and came back. Last two podcasts, I was talking about picking off mice with a BB gun from 20 feet away, and now you're like, I'm gonna I do a war them. crime. I'm gonna They're do a war crime. They're my main problem, and I cannot do anything about it. <sighs> I don't have a BB gun. Uh, I shot my eye out, so I can't have it anymore. The thing is, they're gonna come back if you release them. I, yeah, but I, I can't, I cannot bring it. In. I cannot or you're them. giving them to somebody else, like your neighbor, or to. You're making them somebody else's problem. My, my neighbors are throwing parties during COVID. They can have mice. Alright, well, now you're just coming up with an excuse to, to make To cover up my problem. cowardice. But I'm, I'm, you are. You're justifying... Yeah, your, no, I'm well aware. So the culmination in this, of course, was getting a cat, and he solved the problem for a little bit. They're back, so he's got he's to gotta, you know, earn his, his money that I'm spending on him. Uh, so that's the war on mice. That's a fun story. That was an all caps on my list of things to talk about. Uh, so we hit that. <laughs> um, Glad we got there. The other thing in um, all caps, there's an article I want to read to you because it's crazy. And I want to get some of my favorite moments on this podcast where you reacting live to memes or to the Cats trailer. That was a great one. Okay. Um, sure. So I'm just going to read this article. It's from NBC News. Uh, it was published on right. December 8th. Um, it's by Adela Suleiman and Paul Goldman, just to credit. Here we go. Here's the headline. Former Israeli space security chief says extraterrestrials exist and Trump knows about it. Uh, so now the article begins. Uh, former Israeli space security chief has sent eyebrows shooting heavenward by saying that Earthlings have been in contact with extraterrestrials from, and this is in quotes, a galactic federation. Uh, and here's a quote from him. The unidentified flying objects have asked not to publish they are here. Humanity is not ready yet. Haim Ashed, former head of Israeli's defense ministry space di- directorate, told Israel's Yediat uh, Haranot newspaper. I, I screwed that up. It's an Israeli newspaper. Uh, the interview in Hebrew ran on Friday and gained traction after parts were published in English by the Jerusalem Post on Tuesday. Um, a respected professor and retired general, this is the same guy, Ashed said that the aliens were equally curious about humanity and were seeking to understand the fabric of the universe. Ashed said cooperation agreements had been signed between species, including an underground base in the depths of Mars, where there are American astronauts and alien representatives. There is an agreement between the U.S. government and aliens. They signed a contract with us to do experiments here, he said. Ished added that President Donald Trump was aware of the extraterrestrial's existence and had been on the verge of revealing information, but was asked not to in order to prevent mass hysteria. They have been waiting until today for humanity uh, to develop and reach a stage where we will understand in general what space and spaceships are, Ished said, referring to the Galactic Federation. The White House and Israeli officials did not immediately respond to NBC News' request for comment. Sue Gao, a spokesperson for the Pentagon, declined to comment. Uh, and then the rest basically says, we, we have not, NASA says, yeah, we have not found signs of life yet, but we hope we do. But this is like a respected Israeli professor 
and and like scientists being like, yeah, we're in fucking league with aliens on Mars and shit. And I don't know, man. I mean, it's not I'm skeptical. It's not impossible. A skeptical of it or skeptical of skepticism. Well, both, but the the second one's a deeper question. <laughs> yeah, yes, it is, isn't it? I think he's trolling us, man. I think so too. I mean, it, it all it all screams completely false and stupid. But the fact that it's like this respected guy, just I don't know. I don't. I'm not saying I believe it because I don't. I think he's pulling off something. He he only he's the only one that knows that he could pull that off because of his credibility and credentials. And he got some poor uh, writer at NBC to to come in and interview him seriously about it. And I'm sure he had the thought in his mind to just be like, hmm, do I turn away this story and, like, call NBC out for even thinking of something so ridiculous was possible? Or do I go along with the bit and make a name for myself in that way and get probably 50 more interviews from other places? Now, and, there, have, there know, have not been follow-ups. I've, I've checked. This is the only article they've published on the topic. Exactly, which makes me skeptical. You're not just going to drop that and it and it not blow up for a reason. The memes have been good. There were there were really good memes about it. I actually I discovered this article post discovering the memes. My Twitter feed was suddenly full of these memes about a galactic federation and and like aliens were in league with. And I thought after for the first few memes, I was like, "Oh, this is a fun goof." Like people just are imagining Galactic Federation. But after like day three of seeing Galactic Federation memes, I was a little concerned that I was missing out on something. So I googled it. I, go- I just googled Galactic Federation, and then news articles <laughs> came up. And the fact that news articles came up sort of blew my mind. Um, it's nice. definitely not true. But what if it was? What if it was true? It's just a base on Mars. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I think, I think. They're just probably buying into the 2020 hype a little too much. Although mysterious monoliths in the Utah desert are a real thing, and yeah. I'm very excited about that. I monoliths were on my list actually too. We're hitting the same the same stuff. What are your thoughts on this monolith stuff? I mean, they're probably art installations, most of them. Yeah, they're definitely man-made or human-made. I don't know. <sighs> Said they were there for a while. I think it's just somebody like putting something into the desert to be like, I wonder how long it takes for people to find this and what is going to happen when it does. Uh, hopefully that person was alive to, to uh, find the, the alta, the ultimatum of this meme and, and their creation. But uh, I don't know. I think it's interesting how it came at the right time when a, our news cycle is just so insane right now, and B, people are looking for weird stuff like that right now to distract themselves. Well, I think before it would have just, you know, nothing maybe would have came of it, but... But this is the year. I, think, I mean, if any year is going to have mysterious monoliths, of course it's 2020. Right, and it and it, it fits the headline so well of crazy election, pandemic, strange monoliths appearing in the desert. Like, it sounds like something out of Welcome to Night Vale, but um, it... I don't know. It's, I think it's kind of cool. It is cool. It's literally, that's the opening scene of 2001, is the monolith appearing in the desert to the monkeys. <laughs> like, that's literally the first scene. Well, they're 19 years uh, late, but um, 
I think it's cool. I, maybe it's not so cool that they... I think it was in a wilderness area, so they had to use some power tools to make it, I think, was the discussion about it and how to get it out there and stuff. So they probably broke some rules, whoever made it, to, to make it, but um, I don't know. I think I'm okay with breaking rules to, to make something cool. The guys who found it, um, it was, I think, firefighters or something. They were in a helicopter and just happened to see it. Yeah. Um, but when they, when they were interviewed, uh, they like explicitly didn't reveal the location. They said they weren't going to say where it was. They were just going to let it be out there. But then some person on the Internet who had clearly too much time or, or the right amount of time used the photo and the like the the shape of the rocks and the like the striation on the rocks in the photo to like track what region it might be in 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 the Utah desert and then like Google mapped like it they they found it they found the location based on the photo just by like picking at details um, and I wish I had that kind of time and and dedication to say, that would be something I I thought about like huh like thinking of the topograph, what a topographic map of that canyon that they showed in the picture would look like, and thinking about the the rock layers, and I don't have a huge geological background. I have s- know some geology, but like, hmm, I wonder how hard it would be to put that together. And of course, I know it's the internet, so somebody's going to do that, or somebody's going to spill the beans or something. So it, yeah, and then it becomes a tourist attraction. So I'm kind of glad it got taken down. Yeah. I think maybe it got taken down by, you know. The, whoever owns whatever uh, department of I think it was in, was it in BLM land or was it in a national park? Uh, I've was not it followed land? it closely enough, which is weird to say that I haven't followed the strange monolith story closely. Um, but I e- either way, have no idea. you know, this happens all the time with like Horseshoe Bend um, overlook in the Grand Canyon, where it's like one person takes this cool picture, geotags it, and then. It gets blown up, and then all of a sudden, it's visited by thousands of people a day, and the infrastructure can't handle it, and the the town, the closest town nearby, is like, "What the heck is going on?" And you know, so I guess the takeaway lesson is, you know, if you find something cool in the woods, don't geotag your picture if you don't want it to be destroyed. Which they didn't. They didn't geotag it, but still, they they figured it out. Crazy internet people just found it. I have one more thing I want to touch on. Um, not touch on. It's more. It's more of an announcement. Um, I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, it's an announcement in that it's it's a goal I've set for myself. I've not done any work to reach that goal, but I've, I think I've talked on this podcast before about the book I've been writing, um, and I, I'm I'm sure I've spoken to you about it. I, I started this book in eighth grade, uh, right after I made Rider's Legacy, which was my my first film. I started this book as a prequel to it just because I am, you know, greedy and, and crave the franchise uh, money that George Lucas and others have, have enjoyed. Um, and so I started this book in eighth grade and, and sort of fell off the radar once we hit high school because high school was high school. And the summer after we graduated high school, I was struck with this intense longing to return to this world in some form. And really the only way I could do it was this book. So I finished the first draft of this book the summer before we started college. Um, and then wrote a second draft that winter and have sort of been tinkering around with it ever since, um, not really doing much work, but I want to get it done. And I've set myself the goal of having it published on May 15th, 2021. So that's five months from now. 
there you go. So I'm gonna I'm gonna have it like I'm not not I'm not like going through the traditional. But I'm doing self publishing because I don't have the time or money to like hire agents and stuff. But it's 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 kind of exciting to like set this set this date for myself. It's the 10 year anniversary of finishing my first ever script, which seems kind of fitting. Um, and I've, there's a lot of work to do. The the stories there, I have to tweak some stuff, but I think I can do it. Uh, and so I I just wanted to announce that May 15th, 2021, the Stolen Stone. Coming to, to at least Amazon. I didn't want to publish the Amazon because I hate Amazon and, and no one should ever buy from them unless they absolutely have to. But it's sort of the best way to get like the book to a big market. So I sort of have to sell out a little bit. Um, so yeah, that's that's my big news. Uh, turns out the the editing part of writing and the, the refining part of writing is the worst part, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> how is yeah. your writing going? Uh, uh, not great. I mean... I started uh, one of those short stories I've really been wanting to get around to and I've kind of been working on like a draft of it as like a spoken word story more so than a than a written story but um, I don't know work has been so crazy these past couple weeks I didn't get a whole lot of time to write when I was in the field so that kind of threw it off when I came back from the field but um, I've been writing more this off shift and wrote more this past shift in the woods so that was good um, so I'm kind of coming back to it from a a little bit of a hiatus, uh, but yeah, it's it's going pretty good. I realize how um, how important for it, or I re-realized how important it is for me to to keep writing every day if I can, um, even if it's if it's nothing special. It's just like getting some thoughts out. So yeah, that's been how it's how it's been going. But that's awesome that you created some accountability for yourself and put it out there. That's kind of what this this podcast is all about. Absolutely. Well, the, yeah, this podcast is accountability. The podcast. It's funny. As soon as I set that deadline for myself, I set it Sunday night. I was talking to a friend who had sent a draft of the book to because he was interested, and and I realized like I can't keep waffling forever. And May fifteenth, like I said, it's the ten year anniversary of finishing my first script, which was Rider's Legacy, which this is a prequel to. It seemed like a fitting date. But as soon as I I said, okay, I'm, the book's out on May fifteenth. Um, this week has been so like nightmares in terms of just throwing stuff at me to make me tired constantly that I have not had any time to write. As soon as I set this deadline, I suddenly cannot write. Uh, so I'm hoping <laughs> uh, I can get through that. I'm hoping over the, the holiday break, since I'm not probably won't be home for Christmas, I can just sit and write. Um, I've been sort of puttering around with ideas. I just drew, and I'll show you, this isn't even great for listeners, but I, because I'm an artist, I drew a, a concept art for the cover of the book, um, which is, wow. as you can see, very detailed. Um, not even faces on the stick figures. I just wrote names, so high end. <laughs> That's how stuff. it should be on the on the just, cover. <laughs> it'd be great. Really sell a lot of copies. Um, a buddy of mine that I went to college with published a book through Amazon a couple years ago, and he's got it now on it. He can he's it sells on Barnes and Noble. It sells on a bunch of indie bookstore websites. So I'm hopeful I can get it on indie bookstore websites, and people can buy it through like actual bookstores and support actual businesses rather than. Funding Jeff Bezos's exoskeleton army, um, which I'm <laughs> there you go, which is not my favorite thing to do. I've tried um, not to be anti-capitalist on this podcast, which we've never done. Uh, I've tried everything in my power to never pay Amazon again, um, which I've been fairly successful at. Uh, if you want to buy books, there's a website called Bookshop, which is sort of an Amazon for books, but all the money that you spend on this website is sent to independent bookstores, so it directly supports like actual people and actual like businesses. Um, that's just a plug. That's not a discussion. I just, I think it's a great, great thing. 
fuck Amazon. There you go. That's all I got. Well, that sounds like a good announcement to end on, I guess. Yeah. That's that's what all the other podcasts do. They end on some advertisement for something that they're selling to support themselves. <laughs> I as soon as as soon as the book is is in a finished format and it's available for pre-order, I'll I'll, you know, I'll say a URL on the podcast and listeners can type it in as they listen to the podcast and they can pre-order my book if they want. Yeah. Um, Get a promo code. Yeah. I could be fun. I don't know that I can do that, but it'd be fun. You know, go to barnesandnoble.com slash ketchup, but it's spelled like the, the condiment. Um, well, you got to get it on Audible and then, and then you know, check out my book on Audible. And while you're there, spend all this other money on our by using our promo code. Buy our merch. Yeah, of course. Well, that's all I got too. Yeah, that's episode 35. I haven't said this in any episode, but I want to try to start saying it because it makes us sound like official podcasters. Go ahead and tell your friends about us if you like what you hear. Uh, you can leave us a review on iTunes, and we're available on all sorts of different podcasting platforms. Spotify, uh, we're on iHeartRadio now. I got an email about that yesterday. Um, Stitcher, you know, you, you listen to us, you know where I But tell your friends, write a review. Please actually do write a review or at least give us a rating. The only rating on there is from me because I wanted us to have a rating um, on iTunes. <laughs> That's kind of depressing. So feel free to do that. Uh, yeah, thank you for listening. That's 35 episodes. I think we probably could maybe squeeze out one more this year. Um, maybe. But we've done, maybe, we've done 10 episodes this year, which I think is is close to a record for us. That's our highest batting average yet, I think. Yeah. It all took was a pandemic, turns out, because like six of them have been the last couple months. <laughs> well, thank you for listening, and uh, that's going to do it for us. See you guys next time. There you go.